today, I thought what we wanted to cover, and we were talking about this as a team, uh, particularly as we come to the end of the year and think about a new year, is gratitude, thankfulness. We want to be a people who lead a life of gratitude, and there's some key reasons for this. Whether you're a Christ follower here today or not, there's some key reasons. So a number of years ago, before we had kids, Sarah was pregnant with our first, we went down south to do some baby shopping. This is what happens for many if you happen to have the resources for it because it's about a quarter of the price. Um, now, it's probably about a tenth of the price, but uh, it, was, it was a huge saving then, so you go, we went and did nappies, and we found a pram, and we, we did those sorts of things. So we drove down uh, through the border, and we, we headed down and we bought all the things and we were on our return leg back and while we were coming we had booked to stay in uh, Louis Tricard or just between Louis Tricard and Messina because I was like we need to hit the border early we've got to do this right so as we're going there Sarah says to me she says Craig I just think that we should probably just not stay the night and we should go straight to the border and being the husband who listens to my wife as I am I said no we're going to stay the night because I booked and paid we're going to hit the border early in the morning that's what we are going to do um, husbands, listen to your wives. So uh, anyway, we uh, stay in this lovely place, but we get up early and we get to the border. I'm like, we're going to hit it at six, which people say is actually the worst thing to do, but I, I ignored that. They say, wait for the buses. We got to the South African side. It was fairly busy, but it wasn't that bad. So we got through. Then as we drove down to the Zim side, the queue sort of started at the bridge. And then as we drove up to park, there wasn't just one queue, there was three queues of people. So for those of you who've been to Bide Bridge, there was one that came out and went all the way down to the bridge. One came out the door and headed across the car park. It went over the dirt hill. And then there was another one that went up towards the Zimbabwean side, all trying to get into the same place. And uh, I've got Sarah, who's pregnant, and I'm sitting there going, what are we going to do? And I speak to the guard, and he's like, it's at least 24 hours. But he's like, I'd give yourself two days. There'd been like backlogs, guys are on a go slow. It was a saga. So now we're waiting to think, and then you have the touts who are there. Then they're hassling and haggling you and trying to take your hand. It was carnage. So eventually, we're going, oh, and I'm in, a, I'm in a panic, but I'm trying to act like I'm brave. And I'm like, okay, there's no ways we're waiting. We're not going to be paying our, ourselves through. So what we'll do is I'll get the gate pass. We'll go back to South Africa. We'll either come back later or the next day, or we'll go through Botswana. So now we're like, okay, eventually I managed to sneak in, get the gate pass, convince them that I'm not trying to sneak into the building to get through, get the gate pass. We turn around and go back. Then as we get to the South African side, the guard stops us, and I want to drive up the hill to where you go and park, and then you enter. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not where the queue starts for the South African one. The queue starts over here at the bridge. So he's like, if you want to, you go park your car, but make your pregnant wife wait here. And uh, then you come down and then you wait, but it's going to be a long time as well. And I was like, that's also going to be about two days. So at that point in time, uh, Sarah bursts into tears. I'm like in tears. We're just like saying to the God, you have to let us through. We've just been there. This is like the worst situation ever. Eventually, he's like, okay, fine, fine, you can drive up there, and uh, we managed to skip the long two-day queue, and uh, get in there, get through, and then I'm like, well, I've got my sat nav, it's pretty easy to get to Botswana from here, so we, we just drive, and it, it shows like some direction, I'm like, well, obviously, that's the one that we take, so we head down this road, middle of the Bundu, and I've always heard of this part called Martin's Drift and a few others, anyway, the border post we got to was one where there's only dirt, it's just a riverbed. And they have one of those little pulley systems where somebody, not for your car, for people, and you sit in this little like um, metal tub, and then you go over on the, on the pulley system. Have any of you been through this one? 
Are we the only ones? <laughs> so, so luckily, it was a, an almost dry riverbed, so we were in the 4x4. We managed to get through. Then we went through a game park, a long time in the game park, at least like 80 Ks. And long run, about a day and a half later, we made it back to Zimbabwe with much gratefulness and thankfulness in our hearts. First story. Second one, it's a shorter story. Uh, so <laughs> the second story is uh, earlier this year, we um, be staying in this lovely uh, cottage come house, I suppose a blend, but as the family was growing, and don't get me wrong, we're incredibly grateful, massively blessed, but we were going, Lord Jesus, it would be amazing for us to be able to have something slightly bigger so that we could host people, so that if people come to stay for the girls, we, we were just sort of praying, but we looked around at the house properties, and uh, there was no ways we were ever going to afford any rent at all, and this was before it went to US dollars, it was still RTGS then. So we did our whole search in Manstring. At the end, then we were like, well, Lord, we're just going to leave it up to you. We're, we're grateful to be in this place, and we're, we're really excited. But if you want us to move into another place, that's fine. That's up to you. So while we were on holiday in April, friends of ours uh, got in touch with us um, who, um, who owned the place that we stayed in, and they had a few others as well. And they said, um, so listen, there's this new house that we've um, renovated for NGOs. And it's like a four-bedroom, four-bathroom. They said, so we've just renovated, but for some reason, we've put it on the market. We've got a number of different offers, but we just feel that actually you guys are supposed to be there. So would you be prepared to go there to pay the little cottage rent that you're paying, the same one, no changes, but to stay in this property? And at first, we were like, is this for real? <laughs> should, we, should we really? <laughs> um, and uh, we, we moved across there, and we honestly sit in this house going, Lord, there's no ways that we should be staying here. We should never be in a place like this, but for you, it's absolutely impossible. It's only your goodness. And I just sit there day in and day out being flooded with gratefulness that uh, comes into our hearts. So two different areas of gratitude. One, oh my goodness, God, you got, uh, got us out of the situation. Second one, Lord, you've overflowed us with your blessings. But there's many other things that you and I could be grateful for if we look back on our lives over and over again in different areas where God has come through, he's shown abundance, he's shown protection, many areas that we could talk on. And I'm on this gratitude journey, and it's incredibly important. I deeply desire to grow in this area, but I pray as a church that we would deepen our gratitude levels, that in the big and the small, we would be a grateful people, that we would overflow with thankfulness. And the reality is, is it's something that we need to cultivate. Gratefulness doesn't happen by accident. There's many self-help guides on the internet, and this is not a self-help guide talk, because I believe that true gratefulness will only come when Jesus comes and does something on the inside out. But the reality is, is that gratitude has a massive impact on our lives, whether we're Christ followers or not. Now, let's look at the reverse. If a person tends towards ungratefulness, so if you might be here, but I'll just put it in third person because it's me at certain times as well. But say you tend towards ungratefulness, it's going to have a huge effect on your life. Because ungratefulness usually stems from a misunderstanding that you deserve better, that God owes you something. That's usually the root. The deep down root of ungratefulness is, but I deserve more. God owes me more in the life that I'm getting. And because this belief is never satisfied, it won't be satisfied if we're continually looking up at what we, we don't have rather than what we do have. Because it's never satisfied and makes you look um, up rather than down, the end result is grumpiness, bitterness, anger, and depression. That's the end result. There's nowhere to go other than that. But an ungrateful heart and an ungrateful attitude will lead to grumpiness, bitterness, anger, and depression. It will. 
It's inevitable. It has to. On top of this, ungrateful people do struggle in friendships because even the closest friends that you could have if you're, um, if you're ungrateful eventually fade because spending time with you as an ungrateful person just fills your life with negativity. Because imagine going to someone and you're like, you're a close friend, you're just like, I'm so excited to spend tea with the person, but then everything is terrible. So it's like, oh, well, how was your week? Nah, it's okay. Oh, and, um, and you know, how, how, how's the family? Nah, they're fine. And, oh, but the country, you must hear about the country. It's terrible. And I waited in a fuel cook for this long. And, and, and it just goes on and on. And eventually, even the closest friends start to fizzle out in an ungrateful person's life because it's just a drain to spend time. So no matter how loving you are as a family member or as a friend, it's a drain to spend time with someone who's ungrateful. And so slowly the friends that you have or have had start to fizzle out of your life as well. And then this ungratefulness permeates work life, ministry life, every area, because ultimately you become increasingly difficult to be around. That's why often ungrateful people sadly often the wealthiest in the world as well, um, because you're always looking up and you're never looking down, tend to be the most isolated. It's the saddest thing that we can face. And this shuts down opportunities for growth in life and it damages your ability to show people who Christ is. Because if we live in ungratefulness, when people spend time with us, they don't see Jesus. They see the opposite. And so the downside, the opposite of gratefulness, is a terribly sad place to be. I'm gonna talk on that in a short little bit because on the other hand, grateful people are joyful people. You can see grateful people all around because they're full of joy. Grateful people are exciting to be around. They inspire and uplift you just by being around them. You know those people where you hang out with and you just leave feeling refreshed. You spend time with them and they just make you feel great and they, 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 they make the world in which we live feel like a great place to be. So they're exciting to be around. Grateful people are a blessing to have as friends because the conversation uplifts you. It's full of thankfulness and joy. Grateful people also see God open many, many doors in their lives because this attitude that they've cultivated does do that. It opens doors in friendships. It opens doors in the workplace. It opens doors in church life because those are the sorts of people that people love to have around. And ultimately, grateful people reflect Christ. So when people come into contact with grateful people, they just go, oh my goodness, I've got to have more of that. I've got to have what that person has. So grateful people show people Jesus. So if you're sitting here going, oh my goodness, when you spoke about the ungrateful person, that was me and I feel terrible. <laughs> Don't worry, there's amazing news coming up. So if you sat there going, oh my goodness, if I think through what I say when I'm around people, what I think and the type of person that I am, I realize that ungratefulness, that's me. That's one of the key characteristics of my life. Don't beat yourself up. It's okay because change is coming. And if you're sitting here going, it's all good. I can switch off because I am the epitome of gratefulness. <laughs> Just beware. And I would say the one challenge you should do, maybe when you leave here, is firstly to ask God, am I being blinded to this fact? Or... Just ask a close friend or spouse and say, I'm not going to get angry with you. I'm not going to beat you up. But just tell me honestly, when you see me, do you see gratefulness? And then if they come back at you and say, I'm really sorry, love. I'm really sorry, close friend. That's actually not you. Don't punch them in the face. But just take it as the Lord saying, okay, you've been blinded. This is something that you need to work on. Here's the great news. We can all, <laughs> we can all become people overflowing with gratefulness. We all can, because 
the key to gratefulness is twofold. Number one, it's a reliance on Jesus. Number two, it's changing what we think on and it's changing and building healthy habits. It's twofold. It's God's power, but it's also our response. It won't happen overnight. It's learned behavior combined with supernatural power and we can all improve. It's gonna take God's help. It's gonna take correct thinking. It's gonna take habit building. They say that takes anywhere from 30 days to 60 days, but then it's continual. So this is gonna take time as we head into 2019 and it's gonna take awareness. But your gratefulness chart, as it were, can start to climb and it can start to climb radically from this day forward. And if you want to be the best setup possible for 2019, if you wanna set yourself up in the best possible way, it's growing in gratitude. If you wanna set up for a life of purpose and impact in the year ahead, it's growing in gratitude. You'll be astounded at the doors it will open in your life. So if you can't do it on your own, if you can't manufacture it, what's the first step? Well, Paul, the author of, the, of many New Testament books under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he was a man overflowing with gratitude, contentment, and joy. You pick this up through all of his books, it just flowed out of him. And he was someone who struggled with immense hardship, more than probably all of us have faced in this lifetime. But at the same time, he had incredible joy and gratitude, and those two worked together in his life. And so it's possible to work together in ours. So I want to draw out from what he shared. It's not going to be up there. It's a short bit, Philippians 4, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, uh, you can look at someone next to you. Otherwise, you can just listen up. Philippians 4, and we're going to be reading 4 to 13. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 13. And in here are some keys to growing in gratitude. In here are the keys. And I've no doubt that if you put these into practice, if you take these on, put them into practice, there'll be a massive change in your life in all areas of your life. So Philippians 4, and we're gonna read from verse four together. And as we go through it, we're gonna uh, jump into a little bit, but I just wanna read it through in one batch first. So this is what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Some of you have been in Sunday school may remember the Sunday school songs written about that. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, he's really going at it, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell or think on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. He's talking to the Philippian church. They were a really generous church. And as he went to different places planting churches, the reason why they couldn't give it to him is he was in jail. But they were a church who just took it on. They said, Paul, wherever you're going, we want to support you. We want to support you financially in that process. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. 
What a powerful passage. I want to encourage you to read it as we head from here as well. But look at the first step. Paul realized that it's Jesus who brings strength and life for change. It's Jesus who will allow us to overflow with gratefulness. He's the first step. We rely on him rather than on ourselves. And there's a few key things I'd love to bring out. So you notice there firstly, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's saying the bottom line is there's something or someone to rejoice in, but also you make the call to rejoice in him. But you're rejoicing in what he's done and who God is. He jumps down a little bit further. And uh, whilst he's been talking about um, let your graciousness be known to everyone, then he also has an understanding, the Lord is near. He knows that God is close. He knows that God is with us. He knows that he's not doing this Christian life on his own, but God is close and he's there. Again, it's showing reliance on God. Verse 10, he jumps down again. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. He's talking again about the fact that he's fixing his eyes on Jesus. Who he is and what he gets in life is from God. And finally, at the end, one of those famous passages you might have heard of, often people talk about it when you're trying to do great exploits. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And actually, I do uh, have a friend from Falcon College, and he was at Interschools, and he was only about the fifth best long jumper that they had at Interschools because everyone else had dropped out through injury. But we used to do Interschools at the National Sports Stadium, and uh, he got up to do it at the do the long jump. And in front of everyone, sort of all the schools stand there. And one of his friends, who was a Christian, who knew the situation, that this guy should not be jumping. He wasn't very good at all. He just shouted from the stands. He was like, Anthony, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Silence. (laughs) Thousands of school children, nothing. Absolute silence. And uh, he ran and he broke the record that day, beat everyone else. And it was an absolutely amazing testimony of that verse being used in that situation. But actually... If you look at the context of it, and yes, God, we can do everything through um, Christ who strengthens us, but the context is, is Paul saying, I've learned to be content to live a life of gratefulness regardless of the circumstances. That's really what he's getting at in the process. But what an amazing story of God coming through when you step out in faith. So Paul's heart was overflowing with gratefulness to the Lord regardless of situation. Why? Well, because he realized realized that God had moved him from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of life. Saul was a persecutor of Christ followers. He loved to kill them and see them put in jail. And God hid him on the road to Damascus and his life was forever changed. He was transformed from the inside out. He knew that God had changed the trajectory of his life. He had been saved from an eternity in hell. He knew his sin and he was overwhelmed with love for King Jesus who had paid the price for his sin on the cross. And so as a result, he was rejoicing in what God had done because of that life change. It's my prayer that you and I would realize afresh today that God doesn't owe us anything, that we don't deserve anything in life, as Paul realized, but God's given it to us anyway. And he's given us the most important thing. He's given us the opportunity for eternal life. He's given us the opportunity for life now and abundance and purpose now, but ultimately, He's given us the opportunity to have life in all its fullness for eternity to come. When you understand grace, when you understand what it means to get what we don't deserve, because ultimately, Craig, in my sin, I know that I don't deserve anything, but Jesus just steps in. 
he steps in and he shows love and he shows grace. When you understand that, the result is a growth in gratitude. That's the result. It's impossible not to have gratitude when we realize what Jesus has done for you and I. When we struggle with gratitude, it's when we think we don't really need him. God, I'm actually quite a good person. And compared to everyone at church and everyone else I know, I'm actually doing pretty well. And so you dying on the cross, other people might need it, but not really me. Then you struggle with gratitude. But when we realize our sin compared to a perfect God, when we understand our sin compared to a perfect God, and, and we, we catch that in all its fullness, then we have an overflow of gratitude. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. When we receive, when we understand that we receive as Christ followers, we become people and we become sons and daughters of a kingdom that will never be shaken in this lifetime and the lifetime to come. Gratitude overflows. Some of you in Luke 17 might have heard the story of the 10 lepers. You might have heard the story. They, um, they were sort of called out on the streets and Jesus um, heard them calling. They were like, please have mercy on us. And Jesus said, go and present yourselves to the priests. And as they did that, they were healed. All 10 of them were healed. Any of you know the story? How many came back to say thank you? One out of 10. And that person who came back was a Samaritan who was the most despised in, out of the Jewish people. They were, they were the outcasts. And Jesus said to the person, your faith has made you well. But what I'd be more interested to see, they were all healed. They were healed physically but who had an internal transformation and who lived a life of purpose and gratitude afterwards. Because those nine could have had physical healing, but they could still live a life, lived a life of ungratefulness and lack of purpose. That one knew what Jesus really came to do. 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, and this is a kicker, listen to this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you want to live a life of purpose, it's going to be in God's will. Anything outside of God's will, you're going to start to deviate from what he's called you to and the life he's called you to. But the key that he says to living a life of purpose and being in God's will is giving thanks in all circumstances. So if you want to be in God's will, it's about giving thanks. Amazing when you get that. If you want to walk and that being in God's will is the safest, it's the most exciting, it's the best possible place to be. You get there by giving thanks. Amazing for us to take on. So if you're a Christ follower, your and my default should be gratefulness. And if not, I'd encourage you to ask Jesus to say, say, Lord, I'm not sure why I'm not overflowing with gratefulness. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what the reason is. Maybe I need a greater revelation of what you did for me on the cross. Maybe I need a greater revelation of my need for you. Whatever the reason is, ask him today. Because ultimately, just gazing upon what he did for you and I on the cross should overflow with gratefulness each and every day. So that's the first one. Two more quick ones. First one, realize that Jesus is the one who helps us in the process. Ask him for help. Second one, this is about habit building and life learning. So it comes hand in hand. Firstly, supernatural power. Secondly, there's things we do on our part. Look in this verse, uh, in this passage. Philippians 4 verse 6. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So first step under the habit building, stop worrying. But place your trust in God for all areas of life. Worry is the polar opposite to faith. 
It's the polar opposite to faith because worry is taking life into your own hands and believing you're the master of your own destiny. Faith is putting life into God's hands, saying, God, I realize that you're the one in control of my life. And so the command is, and Jesus says it as well in Matthew, don't worry. It's not a, if you don't feel like it, he's saying, guys, this is gonna destroy you, so don't worry. The way to get out of it is to present your request to me. I'm the God who's thinking about you. Worry destroys peace. Worry destroys peace in your life. God commands us not to worry. So when we do, we need to repent and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Please take control of my mind. Help me to fix my eyes on you, put my trust in you, and you'll see that worry disappears. So that's gonna be a habit. You've gotta build that habit. It's not just gonna be a one-day thing. Oh, Jesus, please help me not to worry. Boom, life is sorted. When you start to worry, when you see yourself starting to worry, it's okay, Jesus, help me to turn. Help me to trust you. You're going to have to build this habit. Verse 8. Paul then says, firstly, don't do something. Don't worry. Then he says, there's things you need to think about. There's things you need to think about. This is what he says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is morally excellent, people doing great things, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. That's a lot of things to think on. Eh? That could occupy our minds for a long time. He says, you need to dwell, you need to meditate, would be another word, you need to think on these things. Because our mind is immensely powerful. Our mind is incredibly powerful for good and for bad, but there is power that God has put in our mind. It's often too powerful for our own good, and so we need Christ to redeem our thinking, to buy back our thinking, to give us a thinking that's of Him. But if you think unhealthy, depressing things, you are going to become depressed. That's why Paul is saying you need to think about healthy things because that will give you a healthy life. The mind is powerful and God has created it that way. Train your mind. Meditate on Scripture. Some of you may have heard of the passage in Psalm 1. Just think of it right now. I just want to read it. Uh, and I'll just read it to you. How happy is the one Happy, joyful is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Meditate. What we think on will affect the trajectory of our lives. And so Paul says, you've got to train yourselves. You've got to train yourselves. Think on these things. Dwell on these things. Meditate on these things and you'll see the life change in time. What does he say we need to do? Building into the, the habit side as well. Look what he says in verse 11. I don't say this out of need. He's talking about for what the Philippians have given him. For I have learned to be content. And then he doubles it up again. In any and all circumstances, in any and all, I have learned. Later on, or another passage of the Bible, it talks about just a few of the things that Paul went through. Definitely check it out. Search in Google. What did Paul go through? Uh, he got lashed to, you know, within one strike of death. He got shipwrecked. He got bitten by snakes. He got put in jail. I mean, the, the list is endless. And he's saying, I learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. How? By focusing on what he did have. In each and every situation, we can be grateful because of what we do have rather than what we don't. I've got a few examples that I made a list of, but you could do this each day as a family. If you've got kids, this is a great thing to do. At the end of each day or at the end of each week, guys, what are some of the things that we can be grateful for? 
that helps you to learn to be content in all situations. Maybe stick a note in your car if you struggle. Stick it on the hooter. And in Zim, we use that a lot. So if you put it on the hooter, bah, bah, oh, okay, Lord, I've got to remember. So it's the best place to put anything, the hooter or your phone. Put it on the cell phone screen so you can't see anything else. But here's a few examples of things that we can be grateful for that help us to learn to be content. Salvation. I've already shared on that. It's all we really need. We don't deserve it, but we have it. We could live a life of misery and still be content every day because of being transformed for all eternity. What about the life we get each day? It's a gift and it's an opportunity. Whether you're sick, whether you have a disability, being alive on earth for another day is a gift from the one who keeps us breathing. We don't make ourselves breathe on a day-to-day We don't make our heart beat. Yes, we can think about it every now and then. We can't think about it while we're sleeping. God's the one who's mapped out our days. He keeps us alive. We can be thankful and grateful for life each and every day. Relationships. Paul talks about friends there in verse 10. He rejoiced in them because they really looked out for him. They really cared for him. They, they really cared about um, him and what he was doing in life. Any number of us could look on a friend, a person, a stranger, someone who stepped into our world, who's encouraged us, who's inspired us, who's uplifted us. We can be thankful for that. Earthly possessions, a home, a bed, a blanket, a car. We try and do this with our little girls. Um, often, and, and often I overhear Sarah praying with them as well. She'll just be saying to them, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the bed that we have to sleep in, for the food that we've been able to eat. Whether it's one meal or two or three a day, probably all of us in this room have something to be grateful for in terms of earthly possessions. What about abundance? You might be saying, Craig, what do you mean? <laughs> we live in Zimbabwe. What are you talking about in terms of abundance? and having everything and over and above. Well, you guys must plug it in, Global Rich List, such an awesome tool if you're struggling with gratefulness. It's a tool where you plug in your earnings, your average earnings, and it gives you whereabouts you are in the world stats just in terms of wealth. So what I did is uh, I put in a bunch of different earnings, and then I divided by three and a half to get the real US rate because they don't have the Zimbala rate. So you put in US dollars, which used to be us, and I divided by three to make it really realistic for us, right? So I understand that there's some people who may, in real, um, in, in RTGS terms, may earn 100 or less. I understand. But what I went on is I went on people who earn 300 RTGS a day. So that would be a majority of factory worker all month, factory workers um, and the like. Divide that by three to 100 per month. So 100 actual US dollars per month. If you do that and if you live on that, in the nation, you're in the top 50% globally. So it's not incredible, I understand, but there are 50% of the world's population earning less than you at 300 RTGS or EcoCash on a month-to-month basis. If you earn $1,000 of real money per month, so 3,000, give or take, maybe a bit more depending on the rate, uh, RTGS a month, you're in the top 15% of the globe top 15% of the globe, and then obviously the list can change from there. I hope you get the picture. The majority of us probably here may be different. There'll be differences, but the majority of us, according to the world's standings, are living in ridiculous abundance. Ridiculous abundance. Having hot water in our homes, having a vehicle, 3% of the world's population have a vehicle or have access to one in their family. So if you have a vehicle, access to one to drive, top 3% globally. 
And I think sometimes we're saying, but Lord, I deserve more. I need more. And he's saying, you're in the top 15%. What else do you want? I've given you everything, but you want more. The thing is, is that we just want to adjust our lifestyles up rather than adjust them down. And so that's a challenge for each and every one of us. But I am closing off. One of the great ways to solve yourselves on that is just be a radically generous giver. Because when you do that, it solves all of your problems in terms of want. So first, rely on Christ. Second, build healthy habits. And third, be prepared for growth opportunities and ask God for wisdom to how to handle them. Because as you grow in the area of gratitude, if you take this seriously, what we've spoken about today, I can guarantee you that God is gonna open doors like you can't believe in relationships, in the workplace, in ministry, and you're gonna need wisdom on how to handle it, on what to say yes to and what to say no to because God loves a grateful heart and when you're in God's will, which is what happens when you're giving thanks in all circumstances, when you're in his will, he'll open up absolutely incredible doors and you're gonna need wisdom for that. Friendships, work, ministry, provision. You're gonna need increasing wisdom to firstly remain humble, but also in how to handle the new seasons that he's putting you into in 2019. James 1, what a great promise. He says, if you need wisdom, ask. So once you've dealt with gratefulness in your life, start asking God for wisdom because 2019 is gonna be an explosive year for you if you grow in gratefulness. Can't wait to see what God's gonna do amongst us as a church and beyond as we start to build gratitude into our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just wanna thank you for what you've been doing amongst us this year as a church. What a privilege to see what you're doing. Thank you for people coming to faith. Thank you for people taking next steps and being baptized. Thank you for um, amazing, miraculous provision and breakthrough and jobs and employment. Thank you for people getting um, plugged into community and feel, feeling part of family. Thank you for stories of amazing provision with Runyuraro and out of the blue provision there. Thank you for um, people who were in need and just the overflow of gifts and presents and hampers to, to help people in need. Lord Jesus, you're just, you're so incredibly good to us and we can look back at 2018 and if we look back in just a few areas, it'll flood us with gratefulness. I ask Lord Jesus that you would help us as we prepare for 2019 to have the heart and the mindset that we see Paul had in Philippians. That firstly, we would fix our eyes on you, the author of our faith, the one who died for each of us. That if we don't know you, we would realize our need and the sin in our lives and we turn to you and we receive the free gift of salvation now and for all eternity. Thank you that it's there and it's open and it's for everyone. Regardless of what we've done, you just say, it's there, it's available, take it, I love you. So maybe that would be the first step. But for those of us who know you today, I ask that just as we've taken communion, that what you did for you and I on the cross, what you purchased is enough to be grateful for each and every day. But on top of that, you'd show us more and more of what you've done. So please help us with that. Secondly, I ask that we'd be a people who are serious about building healthy habits. You'd help us to think on what we should think on. You'd help us to take you at your word and put our eyes on faith rather than on worry. That you would help us to train ourselves to be content in every situation based on, on the gratitude of what you've done in our lives. And finally, Lord Jesus, I ask you'd help us to prepare for what lies ahead. Because I know as we get in line with your will, as we grow in the area of gratitude, the doors are gonna fly open. And I ask you to give us wisdom to prepare for what you have in store because we know as a team you've got 
you've got immense things in store for Harvest in 2019. Areas for growth, areas for explosive growth and impact in the city. We're, we're ready and expectant, Lord. I ask you'd give us the wisdom and the humility to handle it. Thank you for this time we've had together. I ask over these few days, you would really help us to prepare, um, to think through what you have for us in 2019, to be in that place on the front foot, ready to go in all that you've got as you extend your kingdom through us. In your precious name we pray, amen.